a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And as Larry alluded to, we're looking for a few weeks in the book of Hebrews. Um, Last week we talked about Christ, our great high priest. And this week we're going to be talking about Jesus, our perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, This is a covenant that I will make with them after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, are no, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins." but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. 
But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous ones shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the time that we have together. We thank you for this portion of your word. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to see in new and profound ways that Jesus Christ is our perfect once-for-all sacrifice. And that because of His sacrifice for us, we should live for You. Help us to understand this, not just in our minds and in our hearts, but help us to respond in obedience. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, have you ever been trying to go to sleep and there are these shadows on the wall of your bedroom and maybe it's windy outside maybe there's some trees or branches in the backyard you try to avoid them but sometimes those shadows can be scary and our imaginations start to want, run wild, and we wonder if there's something out there that's coming to get us in here. Sometimes shadows are big, sometimes shadows are small, sometimes we can't even see shadows at all. And to be clear, not all shadows are scary. We've all seen uh, shadow puppets, right, where someone gets a light and does something with their hand, and then you see on the wall an alligator or a fish or a bird. It's really amazing. In this letter, the letter of Hebrews, we see that Christ is the substance and that the Old Testament law and the sacrificial system, those things were all shadows of the real thing. Shadows are a result of, they exist, they point to something of substance. And Christ is the substance. In His plan and purpose, almost all of the Old Testament is pointing forward in one way or another. It's a glimpse, it's a sketch, it's a shadow of God's future promises, of the substance which is Christ. We know that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Him. And so, as we wrap up our series in Exodus... We're reminded that not only is Jesus our perfect and complete and faithful and sympathetic high priest, he's also our perfect, complete, and absolute final single sacrifice for our sins. All of the Old Testament sacrifices were pointing forward to Jesus, the substance. And so let's look together 
at the passage, and we're going to see three things. We're going to see shadow, substance, and we're going to try to answer the question, so what? So how should we think about the ceremonial, sacrificial laws of the Old Testament? What was, what was all the temple and tabernacle worship about? They were good and helpful and important for the people of God at, at that time. They were good as far as they went, but they were pointing forward to something bigger and better. They were pointing forward to Christ And actually, God's people in the Old Testament knew this. They didn't know all the details about Christ, but they were looking forward to God's promised deliverer. They were looking forward to Messiah. And so that's why you remember uh, Anna and uh, Simeon in in Luke 2. You remember they, they were looking forward to the reconciliation and redemption that God would send. And so when they brought Jesus to the temple, they were they were filled with joy and they prophesied at redemption so the old testament was a shadow it's kind of like this it's like an engagement party or a save the date card right you 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 receive the card you go to the party you're happy for them you celebrate look at how beautiful they are we're so excited for them but you celebrate in view of something bigger right you you celebrate in view of the wedding it's a shadow a foretaste of the wedding and the marriage to come and so when we think about the shadow here we we see in verses 1 through 4 exactly what that shadow was we see why the old testament sacrifices were good at that time but they were pointing to something better and this is really important to remember because you, you remember the hebrews they were struggling with their faith They were Jewish converts to Christianity, and some of them were saying, maybe it's too hard, maybe it's too difficult, let's go back to the old way. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews says, no, no, Christ is better. Don't go backwards, that's the shadow. Go forward, Christ is a substance. And we see that in a few ways. How do we see that the the Old Testament sacrificial system was as a shadow? Well, we we see it that they... In verse 1, they continually offered sacrifices. Year by year, again and again, they, re- they offered sacrifices. And that reminded that one day God would have to provide the perfect, complete sacrifice. Their sacrifices were incomplete. If, if they were complete, if they were final sacrifices, then they would have stopped doing those sacrifices. But they needed to do it year by year as they waited for God's promise. There was a reminder of sins year by year. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 4 says it this way, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They were shadows pointing forward. And how can we apply this in our lives? One of the things is this, don't try to go back to the shadows. There is something appealing there is something uh, that, that is a, there's a draw to the temporal, feel, taste, touch, manageability of legalistic ceremonial righteousness and rituals. And to be clear, I'm not saying that, that 
Christian practices and disciplines and rituals are not a hugely important part in the Christian life. They are. They help shape our lives and our souls and our hearts. But when we tie our practice and our righteousness to those rituals, those ancient rituals alone, we're going back to the shadow when we have the substance. It's like going back to training wheels when you have been riding a bike for years. Don't go back to the shadow, and when we go back to the shadow alone, we forget and neglect the substance. We, it's kind of like this, how a sign points to something better. Some of you know that uh, Estes Park, Colorado is one of my favorite places in the world, and uh, imagine going to Estes Park and going to Rocky Mountain National Park Flying out there, driving up, and you get to the, to the park gate, and you get out, and you take a picture at the sign, and then you went home. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? No, you would, you would go to Bear Lake, and you would look for a herd of elk in Beaver Meadow, and you would stop at the Alpine Visitor Center as you drove over the Continental Divide on Trail Ridge Road, And you would hike up Twin Sisters and Glacier Gorge and maybe even Long's Peak. Those are signs. The sign that says Rocky Mountain National Park is a glimpse of something bigger and better. The park itself. And so those ceremonial sacrificial laws in the Old Testament were pointing, they were shadows pointing to the substance, which is Christ. So let's think about what the substance is in verses 5 through 18. One of the things that stands out about the book of Hebrews is that it is filled with Old Testament references. It's one of the reasons we're using this book to wrap up our Exodus study. And so naturally, in making the case that Christ is the substance, the writer to the Hebrews goes back to the Old Testament. Goes back to Psalm Chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. And then in in verses 8 through 10 of Hebrews 10, it explains what Jesus meant when he said these things. You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then he says, behold, I've come to do your will. Jesus is the substance. He is the perfect, better sacrifice. So let's think about it together. Christ is the, is the substance. He's a better sacrifice because of what He did. Look at verse 9 with me. It says, Behold, I have come to do your will. And then it says this, He does away with the first in order to establish the second. Jesus is a substance. He's better because of what He did. The Old Testament cer- ceremonial system is completed, fulfilled, finished, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5. You remember these words. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've, come to, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then the passage explains how Jesus is our better sacrifice. How he, he is the substance. Look at verse 10. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. How? through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's think about that verse for a moment. What did Jesus do? He offered himself. And if you look at the life of Jesus through the Gospels, it may seem like things spun out of control at the end of his life. But we have to remember that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. 
he marched into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and at just the right time, he had the Last Supper with his disciples. He prayed in the garden, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And it was gut-wrenching and excruciating emotionally, physically, spiritually. But make no mistake, Jesus didn't get caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time. He offered himself as a sacrifice. And notice what else. He offered specifically his body. Our sins deserve death. Even in the garden, after sin entered the world, God killed animals and clothed Adam and Eve with their skins. And this was their first experience of death. And it was a glimpse that this is what your sins deserve. And throughout the rest of Genesis, we see this expressed through the sacrificial system that's highlighted in Exodus and beyond. Remember these words from John the Baptist. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is our perfect, spotless Lamb. His body was broken. His blood was shed for our salvation. So He offered up His body how many times? Once for all. The end of Psalm 22. You remember Psalm 22, a a powerful foreshadowing psalm of the agony, agony and suffering of Jesus, it wraps up with these words, He has done it. And it mirrors those precious words, it is finished. Remember when Jesus died and breathed His last breath, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom in two. And when they laid his body in the tomb, three days later, he rose again in victory. What is the message? Those are all signs and signals and declarations that his sacrifice was perfect, complete, once for all, final, for all time. And again, we see the contrast in verses 11 and 12. Look in your Bibles with me. In the shadow, in the old way, the priests would stand continually. They'd offer the same repeated sacrifices that couldn't take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, He sat down. And the image here is not of us sitting down on our favorite recliner on the couch after a long day at work. The image here is about the rule and reign and authority of King Jesus. He sat down at the right hand of the Father because He accomplished the mission And he reigns now. In verse 13, notice what it says. How long will he reign? Until all his enemies are made his footstool. Until the time when Jesus will return according to the perfect plan of triune God to judge the world in righteousness and to establish the new heavens and the new earth. That's how he did it. Christ is a substance, brothers and sisters. He's our perfect sacrifice. But why? Why? Christ is a substance. He's a better sacrifice because why? You ever have this conversation with your kids? No, we're not going to do that right now, honey. Why? Because. Because why? Because why? Why would Jesus 
offer himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. We see the goal and the trajectory of Christ, the substance in verses 10 and verses 14. It says to sanctify us, to set us apart through the single offering of himself once for all. We have been sanctified. He has perfected all those who are being sanctified. And we have the intersection of two theological concepts. First of all, believers in Jesus Christ have been set apart, have been sanctified once for all, past tense, it's a done deal. We conceptually usually connect this with the idea of justification, of receiving a new heart and a new nature. Theologians call this definitive sanctification. It's an act of God's free grace. It's already done. But also, in Christ, we are progressively being sanctified. He has secured our redemption and forgiveness. And it says in verse 14, for those who are being sanctified, we are works in progress. God is still working and we're working. This is a work of God's free grace. Notice what it says in verses 15 and 16 and 17. The Holy Spirit helps us. We need help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to remember God's promises and to believe God's promises and this is Holy Spirit is not helper like daddy's little helper no the Holy Spirit is our helper like our God our help in ages past our hope for years to come and what does Holy Spirit do in verse 16 he reminds us that this is a covenant that God has made with us that God will put his law in our hearts and on our minds. He reminds us in verse 17, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. We need the help of Holy Spirit to believe that Christ is our better high priest and our perfect sacrifice. And God graciously moves toward us with his mercy and his kindness. The Holy Spirit helps us to believe that God is with us through joy and sorrow so that we can respond to the gospel by loving him and obeying him and serving others. Brothers and sisters, Christ is the substance. He's the once for all sacrifice for our sins. There's nothing we can do to pay for our sins as if we could add anything to the the work of Christ. He's the perfect, complete sacrifice. And there's nowhere else we can go for abundant life now and eternal life forever. So the natural question then is, so what? So what? You know, we read about it in the Bible. Christ is a great sacrifice. That's wonderful. There's plenty of so so what. There is so much so what in this passage. Since Christ is our perfect, once for all, complete sacrifice, look at verses 19 through 25. We are welcome. We are welcome. We have, therefore, since these things are true, we have confidence, not in our own works, but through the sacrifice of Christ. We have confidence for what? To enter the holy place. How? By his blood. Not through shadow, but through the substance, by a new and living way. We have a great high priest, a perfect high priest, Christ, who has opened the way for us. So what should we do? Look at the verses. It says, verse 22, let us draw near. How? With a true heart, with full assurance, sprinkle cling. What else? Let us have hold fast the confession of our hope. Hold on, don't waver, don't bail on your faith. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. 
We should consider, the text says, to think, to pray, brainstorm, game plan, meditate about how to stir one another up toward love and good deeds, how to motivate and equip and empower one another to love God and to love other people. And we're not doing it alone. Let, don't neglect meeting together. We can't do the Christian life on our own. Remember a few weeks ago when our friend Ryan Dirk shared about Miracle Hill, he, he quoted this verse from Proverbs. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and he breaks out against all sound judgment. We can't do life on our own. We, we suffer, we drift, we struggle, we die in isolation. We need each other. And how much should we do this? Look at verse 25. We should encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. As time goes on, we draw near, we encourage, we exhort more and more and more. As the, as the minutes tick on, as the days and weeks turn into years, we encourage each other more. We're welcome. This is part of the impact of Christ, our perfect sacrifice. Not only are we welcomed, we're warned. Look at verses 26 through 32. If Christ is our once for all perfect, complete sacrifice, then we cannot neglect, we cannot ignore His gospel and His commandments. And we can't go into all the implications of this section, but the message is sobering. The message is clear. Don't play games with God. Don't live in unrepentant, stubborn sin. Don't Play, don't, don't let your heart become hard and deceitful through unbelief. Don't think that the rules don't apply to you or that God's kingdom doesn't apply to you. The warning is loud and clear. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But since we have confidence, freedom through Christ, throw aside your unbelief. Surrender your sinful, stubborn pride. Repent of your resentment. Cast off the lust that you let live in your life way too long. And there's several applications here, several things that could contribute to unbelief in our life. Some people have intellectual reservations about Christianity. I just don't see the proof of God's existence. How can we know for sure? Others have ethical questions about Christianity. This feels so good. How could it be wrong? Christianity must be wrong because I want this and God says it's wrong. Or sometimes people doubt their faith through situations. If God is real, how could he let this happen to me or to those that I love? Or how is there so much hurt in the world? Those are real and hard questions. And in the light of eternity, against the backdrop of heaven and hell, Jesus Christ is the only one who has the words of eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So there's a warning. Do not neglect. Do not ignore so great a salvation. He also talks about endurance in verses 33 
through 38. I love how the writer to the Hebrews goes next. He essentially says, look, what you've, look how far you've come. Look at what you've been through. You've endured suffering for Christ. You've endured reproach for Christ. You were afflicted for Christ. You had compassion. You cared for people in prison. You even allowed people to take your property and you did so joyfully. Why? Because you know that you have a better possession and an abiding one. You have the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. You have an eternal home that's in the heavens that Jesus himself has prepared for you. So keep going. Don't throw in the towel on Christianity. Don't live for idols. Don't mail it in. Don't dump your faith. For we have need of endurance. Jesus said it this way. He that perseveres to the end shall be saved. Why? Because it's God who is working in us. Remember Philippians 1.6? I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. And then look at verse 39. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who have faith and preserve their souls. We have this encouragement. I love the way this chapter ends. We've seen the slam dunk, the airtight case for the power and priority of Christ, our better sacrifice, our perfect once-for-all sacrifice. He's not the shadow, but the substance. So what? So what is this? We're welcome, warned, enduring believers in Jesus. Then these precious words of encouragement. We're not those who shrink back. What's the message? Brothers and sisters, this isn't who we are. Shrinking back and abandoning the faith, this is not what we're about. To put it in South Carolina vernacular, this ain't us. We don't shrink back. We live by faith. We know the Savior. We know we've been rescued. We've been born again to a living hope through the the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We know that God didn't spare His one and only Son, but offered Him up for us all, and that He will with Him freely give us all things we know that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us we know that even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins God who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us made us alive together in Christ by grace you have been saved through faith so no matter what you're going through this morning what you're struggling with. Maybe parenting is really hard right now. Maybe your marriage is difficult at this stage. Maybe you're a caregiver for someone you love and you're overwhelmed by it. Maybe you're trapped in secret sin. Maybe you're covered with guilt. Maybe you're stuck in bitterness and resentment. Maybe something through your work or your personal life. Maybe kids or teenagers, you're struggling to understand who you are. Or you ask the question when you've fallen again, what's wrong with me? The message of the Hebrews and the message to us is that Jesus is our perfect high priest who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And since that's true, keep going, keep believing, keep trusting, 
Keep serving, keep loving, keep sharing, keep repenting, keep approaching the throne of grace with confidence and boldness, keep encouraging, keep enduring because we're one day closer to glory and there's still so much work to be done. And even though we are far from perfect, we, we get the opportunity and the privilege to respond to Christ's great sacrifice for us by doing what? By offering ourselves up as living sacrifices. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. O Lord, help us offer ourselves as living sacrifices to you because you offered for us the once for all perfect single sacrifice of all time. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word and how it clearly outlines not only that we can be saved, that we can be rescued, but it tells us Exactly what you did to purchase our redemption. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we give you praise and honor and glory. We worship you today as our great high priest and our perfect once-for-all sacrifice. We can have access to the Father. We can come to the throne of grace because of you. Help us to respond in faith, to come, to repent of our sins, to endure and to be encouraged to keep going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.